following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. This morning's reading is taken from the first book of Kings, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and can be found starting on page 337 of the Church Bibles. It's 1 Kings, chapter 3. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter, He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices For that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me, and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realised it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be up here, uh, be here with you guys. Uh, This is my first time uh, being able to preach at the 11 o'clock service, so I'm very excited. Uh, It's also my first time wearing this fancy Beyonce mic. It's really interesting Uh, to be able to turn my head now and not have it go all quiet. Uh, So this is a lovely new adventure. Uh, So uh, hopefully you all have Bibles. We've had a very exciting last few nights. 
Uh, if you don't have Bibles, maybe share with your neighbor. Uh, share with your neighbor. That's a good thing. Um, the Word of God. Um, so today, we return to our series on the root of Jesse, uh, on the family line of Jesus. And so far, we've been looking at King David, but now we're skipping well ahead uh, to his son Solomon. And uh, if we could have our fingers in, in page 337, 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, we're going to be talking in threes quite a bit today. Uh, there are three main points I want to bring out. Three main points. Uh, the first bit, uh, we're going to be looking at the verses before Solomon's dream. The second bit will be Solomon's dream itself. And the final bit will be the verse after Solomon's dream. Now, in this theme of, of threes, uh, in the second part, we're going to be looking at um, the dream itself in three parts. So it will be uh, God's offer to Solomon, Solomon's response, and then God's response to Solomon. So three, three in there. So chapter three. Let us pray. Create in us, O God, a heart that hears you, a heart that listens and obeys you. Create in us minds to discern your will. May the words of our lips and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in thy sight, O Lord. And may I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So number one, before the dream. So Solomon, he's now been made king by the blessing of his father. David has now passed away, and today we find Solomon, having consolidated all of his kingdom, doing something very interesting Possibly a little troubling. So if we turn to verse 1, chapter 3. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. So first thing. What are you doing, Solomon? <laughs> Egypt is the historic enemy of Israel, aren't they? This great imperial power that personifies tyranny, slavery, everything uh, uh, bad that Israel has gone through is personified by Pharaoh himself. And Solomon, you're going to go make an alliance with him and marry his daughter? Interesting. God had once said, go to Pharaoh and say to him, let my people go that they may worship me. And Solomon is now deliberately, perhaps, imitating the great ambitions of his royal neighbors, of the states around him. Solomon, you're doing what your neighbors are doing. Are you imitating them? Are you playing the Game of Thrones? You're entering the big time now, aren't you, Solomon? He's in the big leagues. He has allied himself with Pharaoh, the antithesis of everything Israelite. Verse 2. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. High places were places of sacrificial prayer, sacrifice and prayer, and they're built on big, tall mountains or hills. Um, and uh, the idea behind them was that going up the hill, you would be closer to your God. So by climbing up yourself, you get closer to your God. You're doing something to get closer to God. 
But the text, on its own terms, it doesn't say necessarily that this is a bad thing. The people were doing this because the temple hadn't been built yet. So, okay, it's happening. Um, But it's really interesting because uh, throughout much of the rest of the Bible, there's uh, the condemnation of this sort of practice later on. So let's just say that while Solomon is doing this, the Israelites were doing this, the neighbors were also doing this to their gods, these sites were, were um, consecrated to the God of Israel. So there's some sort of permission going on. Verse 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. So this is still a sticking point for God, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt offerings. And verse 4. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. What is Gibeon? You might recall a long, long time ago, in the first book of Samuel, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was brought out from the tabernacle, from the tent of meeting, to be with the Israelites as they went to war with the Philistines. And it was a catastrophic, catastrophic defeat for the Israelites, and the Ark of the Covenant was actually captured and taken to the Philistine uh, cities. Eventually, the Ark was returned, Uh, to Israel, and King David brings it into Jerusalem with dancing and song. Uh, And there it has been. But the tabernacle itself, the tent of meeting, was taken up to Gibeon. So that is what Gibeon is. It's the place where the tabernacle uh, has been for these last years, and that is the place where uh, Solomon is going to sacrifice. So this verse 4 that we just read is a description of Solomon's sacrificial prayer at Gibeon, he sought to give religious consecration to his government. He's got this new formed kingdom and he's looking for God's approval, looking for God's blessing, and he's going to offer sacrifice in doing so. So now we come to part two. The dream itself. So God's offer, verse five. At Gibeon, The Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. God offering Solomon whatever he asks. This is an amazing offer of generosity available to the king, isn't it? We should always be prepared to offer God praise for his incredible love and compassion to us. God has opened the way for us to know him. He offers us eternal life in him. He offers us himself. God himself is the gift, and he comes to where we are and he meets us. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up our wounds and he brings us to restoration. But in this dream of Solomon's is perhaps something else happening here, something a little bit more subtle. The way that the passage is written, it's as if God's offer is the divine response to, God, to Solomon's acts of praise. It's a response. It's interesting. Solomon, the son-in-law of Pharaoh in the big leagues, has done what his neighbors have done and is now playing the Game of Thrones. 
He has gone up to this high place to get closer to his God, just like his neighbors do for their gods too, to offer his dutiful sacrifices that he would gain and maintain the blessings of God. What is happening? God is offering Solomon whatever he asks, but God is asking Solomon, what kind of king are you going to be? Where does your true allegiance lay? What are the deepest desires of your heart, Solomon? Are you going to follow the way of the world around you or the way of the God of Israel? I think as I read the Bible, as I think over the stories, as I think um, of all the wonderful things God has done, I wonder if this is not something that's happened again and again and again. I want to point out two examples, perhaps, of this happening. Think back to Genesis. Character Jacob. He's now returning home from being away from his father's homeland for many, many years. And he's had left his homeland, having stolen his father's blessing from his brother Esau. Maybe do you remember this story? Uh, And you might remember that Jacob, how he does it, is he lies to his father. Who are you? What is your name? And he lies to his father and claims to be his brother Esau. And afterwards he fled. He gets married several times. Uh, Father is a very large family and becomes extremely wealthy. And now he's on his way home. And the next day, he's to meet his brother. But now he's alone. On, what, on the side of the river Jabbok, all alone. And Jacob wrestles with the man, or the angel of the Lord. As the morning begins to dawn, the man says, Let me go, for it is daybreak. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob recognized something here very important. He needed the blessing of this man. He needed the blessing that this angel of the Lord could give him. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he replied. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. A similar story. Now fast forward many, many more years. After the resurrection of Jesus at the lakeside, Peter, do you love me? Three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Corresponding to the three times Peter denied Jesus. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. God says to Solomon, Ask me for whatever you want me to give you. So now we come to the second part of this dream. Verse 6. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. Interesting. Solomon, he has a very well-crafted response, uh, but it begins a little worrisome. You have shown great kindness to your servant, 
my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. Was that how it was? As expressed, it would seem that the gift of God's faithfulness towards David was not a free gift. It would seem that Solomon is saying that it was as a response to David's faithfulness that God is faithful. Now it's true, God was faithful and David was faithful, but was it as a response? Was it as a quid pro quo? Verse 7. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? And it seems that everything changes. I was worried for a couple minutes there. Solomon, he states his own inadequacy, his own vulnerability. He's modest. He's humble. And he's asking God, God to meet him in this vulnerability and to help him rule as God has called him to rule. And give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people. Often it can be translated understandable mind or wisdom. But our Bibles here say a discerning heart, and that's, that's fantastic. It could also be a hearing heart, or listening heart, or even an obedient heart. I don't know what that makes you think of. Uh, it makes me think of Shema, O Israel, or Hear, O Israel, or Listen, Obey, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. You should love your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Solomon's prayer is for a listening heart. It's not simply for him to be made clever or discerning, uh, but it's to be attuned to God's leading guidance for his purposes and for justice and righteousness in the world. Thus, Solomon wants to have the sensitivity and wisdom to God in order to order all of Israel's affairs. So the third part of this dream, God's response to Solomon, number three. So in verse 10, let's read quite a bit here. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you have no equal among kings." We might have expected that the son-in-law of Pharaoh playing this Game of Thrones to have asked for long life or riches and military success. And these are items that Pharaoh, he characteristically champions. 
And of course, this is often the goal of most royal royalty. Uh, and of course, the neighbors around him. But he asked for something very different. The king will be given the sensitivities to be a good judge. The sensitivities to be a good king. The sensitivity to God's own heart that he will be able to rule justly. But he will also, in God's blessing, be given what he had not asked for. Praise God. So now we come to the final bit. Third bit. Part after the dream. Verse 15. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. And he returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. As written, when Solomon awoke, his first act of wisdom, being attuned to God's heart, listening, his first act was to return to Jerusalem and now to offer sacrifices before the ark of the Lord's covenant. His first act is to change his worship. And I think this is incredibly important. We are worshiping creatures. What does it mean to be a human being? Are we primarily a thinking being? Are we primarily a believing being? We are primarily a worshiping being. This is at our most basic level. A being that loves. This gets back to us being created in the image of God, the image of the Trinity. C.S. Lewis once described righteousness as rightly ordered loves. We are a loving being, a being that worships. And what we love is what we worship. Moses once delivered God's message and said to Pharaoh, Let my people go that they may worship me. Like this can sometimes be hard in our modern context to understand. Um, and I think it really comes down to the idea of freedom. That they may free my people that they might worship me. Modern freedom has the idea of freedom from oppression, freedom from restraints, freedom to choose and do whatever we want. Good. Classical freedom, biblical freedom, is much more than that. It's not just freedom from, it's freedom for. It's freedom to be who we were meant to be. And we find our greatest freedom when we love God, when we worship Him and serve Him. Our modern culture will try to shape what we love and take us away from that, so be warned. So yes, God may perhaps be found in the high places, but that's only because of his grace and mercy. He comes to us there. Solomon returned to his city to find God already there. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God's presence, there where he started. Our gospel to the world is that God is with us, Emmanuel. And by his incarnation, death, and resurrection, God, who is life itself, comes to us and he saves us. So in conclusion, this morning we've looked at Solomon before the dream, when the status of his heart perhaps was in question. We looked at how in Solomon's dream, God came to him to ask him this question. 
and Solomon's request of a heart that is sensitive and prompting uh, to the will of God. And we've looked at how God grants Solomon this request, blesses him, and then Solomon's loves, Solomon's worship changes from this encounter with God. So would you pray with me? Lord, may we dream dreams and may your people have visions. May we be like Solomon, not seeking after the loves of this world, but a sensitive heart to be attuned to you. Grant us by your Holy Spirit, your giving gift, O God, a greater knowledge of your love for us. And may we love you and worship you through your Son, Jesus Christ, who comes to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.